podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Gary Kelly's podcast. It's good to be back in the hot seat. It's been a while, had a bit of a break for one reason or another, but um, it's nice to be back chatting with these guys about all things Leeds United. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the Leeds versus Leicester game, including a massive celebration of the returning Adam Forshaw. Um, and as we've got another international break coming up, we'll be reviewing the season so far, and I'll be asking our panel what they're going to grade the team for the season so far. Got a bumper panel with me today. I've got Matt Beadle with me. He's not sat on an away coach by himself. Uh, I've also got LERC stats Andrew Dalton and a big welcome back to former Legion United starlet Simon Walton. How are we doing, team? Good evening. All good. good. good Right, let's get straight into yesterday's game then. Uh, A 1-1 draw at home to Leicester. Give me your thoughts on the game and the overall performance. The major positive was actually that we played, um, we looked back to our best, didn't we? All over the pitch, really. And it's high energy. It wasn't, I don't know, a bit, even at Norwich and against Watford, it sort of felt like we, we made hard work of it, didn't we, for those two wins. And it, yesterday was so much better than um, what it's been for the last two or three months. It just fills you with confidence, especially a team like that. They're looking to bounce back on what's been a pretty poor past that for themselves and yeah I think that's a major positive was they'd have taken a point before the game but that would knock them from pillar to post didn't we for the best part of probably you'd probably say about 75-80 minutes they had the spells but yeah just it were an unreal game as a as a neutral but it were a great spectacle uh, I think from my perspective I wasn't there yesterday because I was working uh, watching the women's game against Stockport I've seen the game back and it just felt a bit like the old leads of last season. The the intensity was back, the fast football was back, the free-flowing football was back. I think the only frustration for me is you're so vulnerable and you've just scored. It was just one long ball forward. Harvey Barnes takes it down, goes into the top corner. And the minute you're celebrating, you're back to one all before you know it. But we had chances to win the game. Jack Harrison obviously need one over from about two yards out. I thought Rafinha was absolutely fantastic. But of course, special mention to a player who last started a top-flight game 1,631 days ago on the final day of the 2016-17 season for Middlesbrough away at Liverpool. Adam Forshaw was absolutely fantastic yesterday and he deserves such a massive round of applause for the way he's battled back from his injuries. Last started a game, a league game for the Charlton, what, 779 days ago, uh, or last played in a league game, should I say, against Charlton, 779 days ago. Fantastic and, yeah, really positive. It's just a shame we've got this international break. I just hope it doesn't disrupt the momentum going to what will be a tricky period of the season. But yeah, really, really pleased with uh, the last three games and with what taken five points in the last three, which is a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. 
both of you by saying it, it, we've gone back to the the new um, Leeds way of playing it, <laughs> that we all expect to see, and everyone who comes up against us and watches it expect to see. And yeah, it was it was just so refreshing because, like you said, after a, a few flat performances as of late for varying reasons, I think that the old Bielsa ball was certainly back in full flow. I mean, the first ten minutes of that game, I was knackered watching it. It was. It was back to vintage Leeds up one end and then straight back down the other end. So I think that, forget the quality and et cetera, I just think that the energy levels and the intensity that we play at seemed to be back. And I've said it before, I've said it previous weeks, having more bodies in the middle of the pitch will always, more bodies who compete in the middle of the pitch, shall we say, will always make that easier. And as we said, I'm sure we'll go on to for for a player to come back and put in that performance who's been out injured for for such a long period of time. The 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 mental not torture, but the, the the mental stuff that goes on in your head when you're out for that long to to come in and put in that performance. I I think he got man of the match, and I think the biggest compliment you can uh, pay him was that Calvin Phillips was the second best central midfield player for us on the day, which we don't say very often. No, you don't say that very often. And I wonder actually whether Adam being back and the players having such confidence in his ability to control it from the midfield allowed them to be more free and more attacking like obviously we used to see him with Leeds. Do you think there's an element of that that they felt a bit more secure with him sat there protecting the defence? I think it does. I think without a doubt. Um, again, I was unfortunate to have to cover the Southampton game and Although you have a lot of attacking players on the pitch, that's not always the case that you put seven attacking players on and all of a sudden you're going to create a load of chances. That, that's really not the case. I think between them, they provided a real base for us to build from and it does allow us to be slightly more gung-ho, I think, is, is how we how we play. So I do think having that little base and having that little bit more nous in terms of covering and filling gaps and being able to to control the game and pick up second balls, I think it, it certainly allows others around to go and express themselves more. And he brought the best out of other players around him, which any top midfield player does. Do you think as well, potentially, obviously, the, what Adam's been through the last couple of years, his post-match interviews, like speaking to people at the club, he's obviously hugely liked, everyone's delighted that he's managed to make it back to not only just full fitness and playing football again, but in Premier League football, do you think there's an element of Adam's experience kind of keeping us a bit grounded and almost reminding us, you know, of our roots and where we've come from and how hard we fought to get to where we are, um, to not kind of let the success of last season go to our heads? It's important to have players like him in the group, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's important to stay grounded because, look, I think last season, everyone probably admit we overachieved. No one ever imagined we'd finish ninth in the Premier League. And the, the certainly second half of the season when we got Diego Llorente back, it was absolutely magnificent. And I think it's important, even through the blips that we've had, we've got the professionals like Adam Forster, he's been there, done it, he's got the T-shirt, he's obviously won promotion with Middlesbrough, came close to Brentford a couple of times. And we've got the level-headed players. Coots is another one that, that has seen the dark times at, at Ellen Road through sort of the, the hockey day era, the Melanich era and uh, and what have you. And it's it's great that you've got these level-headed characters in the dressing room when the going does get tough and uh, to come out on the other side. And for Adam to not have played a league game for, for Leeds in, in two years is magnificent. And that's testimony to his mental state as well, because that can't have been easy for Vicky at all. Yeah, and just moving on to Raf. I mean, last podcast, you guys were talking about how um, 
you know, maybe we were turning into a bit of a one-man team, potentially, but he's just been exceptional lately, hasn't he? He's really stepped up and just sort of shown everyone how good he can be whilst everyone else is perhaps not performing that well. Yeah, I think I made a comment, quite a, a brave comment um, in an interview not so long ago. I think he's the most naturally talented footballer in terms of his ability that I've seen play for us in my era since I've been watching us since I was three or four year old. And I know there's a lot of players who will probably come into that argument, but his ability and what he does with a ball and how he impacts games, I can't think of of, of many better, even in the team, obviously, when we, we won the league in 92 or when we got to the Champions League uh, semi-finals there was a lot of good players but in terms of actual natural ability and skills and the excitement he brings when you watch him for me he's he's I mean he's he's been a revelation and whoever found him and from the doldrums of French football I think it was deserves a um, a big pat on the back he's been a hell of a find and eventually when someone snaps him up which unfortunately I'm sure they will then will have made a hell of a profit on him I'm pretty sure but I, uh, I think we, we were a little bit in danger of becoming a one-man team but listen every team whether it be Chelsea Man City at the top you, you've got your best players who you are going to rely on to provide that magic but um, I, I think it's it will help having other players come back and I'm sure there's a couple more to come back from injury soon to help take a bit of the workload off him in terms of creating and scoring goals but he seems to relish it I think he, he probably likes being the main man he probably likes the fact he's we've allowed him we've given him the platform to go on and earn caps for his country so he's probably reveling in it and his performances at the minute uh, I mean he's for me he's, he's one of the best attacking players in the whole league without a shadow of a doubt at the minute I think the only player that probably comes close in my lifetime and I hate saying it is you know who that went off to sign to Liverpool and went off to play for that <laughs> lot. Uh, yeah. I won't mention his name, but talent-wise, he was unbelievable and he was unplayable for a season before his injuries. Uh, but talent-wise, Rafinha is just absolutely incredible. And as Simon rightly said, I think we've got to cherish these moments because I think an offer will probably come in uh, in the summer that will probably test the, the resolve of the football club. But at times, he's absolutely unplayable. I think the best thing about him is, is, is as well, non, sometimes with players who are sort of, because he is too good for us, isn't he? Let's, <laughs> let's not beat around the bush on it. He is like way, way too good for us. Like he puts a sh- right shift in every week. Mm. And you don't often see that from sort of star players. You often see them sort of drift out of a game and sort of just don't don't really defend or... But he puts the right shift like he's sometimes further back than like the um our right back or right wing back, whichever formation we're playing. And he's he's almost in the corner flag behind him. It's it's he's a, just a joy to watch, isn't he? And like that nutmeg on Soyuncu, I think Simon touched on it. It's just, it's, it's more that it's the crowd pleasing as well. And it just gets everyone on the edge of the seat, sort of gets people on the feet and it can just turn a game. And I think it might have been that nutmeg that sort of got the crowd going for another sort of ten, fifteen minutes and we sort of bombarded them for a bit after that. Yeah, and speaking of other people that put a shift in, Jack Harrison, obviously in a little bit of a, a blip in terms of form when it comes to, you know, those final balls and actually creating solid chances, but so much dangerous play came through him versus Leicester. So I think, you know, he just needs that chance or that goal, doesn't he? He just needs it to go in there, basically off his boot somehow, even off his shin or his knee or his forehead or whatever. And then he'll hopefully get back into form, but... He gets a lot of our dangerous attacking plays. It's really important that he finds that form, isn't 
Yeah, it, it, I think with any player, and, and Sam will probably agree with this, that you go through spells where you're not as confident or you go through dry spells in front of goal and what happens. And sometimes that can play on your mind. And sometimes as a player, you can try too hard. And I think you look at that chance that you just need over from, from two or three yards out on another day that had gone in. And it'll turn. It'll turn for Harrison. I think he's been an excellent buy. He's, he's obviously made over 130 appearances for the club and since he's been here since the start of 2018-2019. I thought yesterday had an excellent game and he played a pivotal role uh, for the club, as did Dan James as well. And the goals will start to come. And I think once more the confidence comes with the players, that the results will come and, and Leeds will start creeping up that table and a real step in the right direction. Yeah, I think you, again, you've hit the nail on the head. Those type of players thrive off confidence, I think, because they are judged on output as a wide attacking player. You're judged on goals and assists. And when they are happening, you, you forget about every other part of the game. I think Jack was probably, he may have felt his nose was put out of place a bit. Obviously, when James came in, he found himself out of the team for a couple of games after being or touted for being on the, the outskirts of, a, of an England call-up. But I think, again, he's an extremely talented boy and we go on about putting shifts in, but nobody plays in, in this team without putting a shift in. I think we've we've worked that out. And like you said, I think if you go through those moments, you have those spells, and if he was flying and at the top of his game in terms of confidence, that goal hits him on his you-know-whats and probably goes trickles in the back of the net. But as an attacking player, you, you go through spells, even the best ones do, where you, you just you can't see anything working for you in terms of goals or creating chances. It's ifs, buts and maybes. But once that one goes in, I'm sure it will, because he seems a confident boy. He's, he's not a boy who hides. He doesn't he doesn't seem to stop trying. I mean, he shouldn't stop trying, but he doesn't hide. He still continues to get on the ball, and he, he's got ability without a shadow of a doubt. And the sooner he starts flying as well. You've got him creating goals. If we need Dan James to start stepping up to the plate, then again, we'll, we'll be fine. But he's a very talented boy and he's someone that I have great ambitions for in terms of him playing Premier League football for years and years to come because he's got everything you need to be a top attacking player. I think Rodrigo is like a prime example of that once one goes in, regardless yeah. of whether it's penalty yeah. In off someone's arse, like the one Harrison yesterday, I don't think he could have actually done that much about it. Like it was just one of those where it's hard just hit him, didn't it? Mm. But if that goes in back at net, that's I think it's a totally different. It'll just kick on then for like three or four games. Like Rodrigo at Norwich, he, he wouldn't have been shooting from thirty yard out if he did not have took that penalty away against Wolves. Yeah. Just, just a massive confidence. And I think James and Harrison were sort of in a similar situation at the minute, where I think like they're excellent until they get around the box and you can just sort of see it in just that split second where they're sort of dibbering and they're not quite sure whether to shoot, whether to cross, whether to uh, lay someone off, whatever. But they sort of that split second, didn't it? That's sort of costing them at the minute. And um, once, like you say, once they get, I don't know, a decent assist or footballing back in there, everything will just change for them. Well, despite it only being a point, um, we do move up to 15th. Good old 15th, lifting that trophy again. Um, all jokes aside, though, it is good for us to kind of have that bit of clear water between us and the bottom three. I know it's only early days still, and obviously a lot can change quickly, but it did feel yesterday that we got back to our old selves, and actually we do play better football than quite a lot of teams in this league. Yeah, I think it's important. Look, I've never been worried this season. Uh, I think with the injuries that we've had, you take Patrick Bamford, Luke Ayling out of the team, Calvin Phillips for a spell. 
that you've got your spine of your team missing and any team will struggle. And I think now it's imperative that we start picking up points over the next few games. I know everyone says about this December run when we've got Chelsea away, City away, Arsenal away, Liverpool away. But they're the games when you're being promoted, you want to play in. They're the games that you relish. I know coming up, we've got Tottenham side and managed under Antonio Conte. Then we go to Brighton, where we just never seem to win. Even in Simon's Day, we never won at, at Brighton at the old uh, Withdean Stadium. But with, these are the games now we've, we've got to try and take points from and try and take points from very quickly to move up the table. I think we're improving. I think once we get Bamford back and Luke Kelly back in the side, I think you'll see improve, performances improve even further. But it was a real massive step yesterday. And play like that for the rest of the season, this side will be fine. And they'll move at that table very, very quickly. Yeah, I think it was the performance more than anything that would have um, given everybody a boost. Uh, mm. I think if we if we'd have ground out a horrible scruffy one-all draw where we still looked slightly lacklustre. I think there may be more questions, but I think the fact that we put in a performance that we are renowned for and that's what's been successful for us for the last two seasons, whatever it's been, I think that gives everyone a major boost because it just goes to show we've still got it in us and we've not lost our touch. And Like I said, if you, a point's a point. It doesn't matter how you, um, how you play at the end of the day. It's the same amount of numbers on the board, but I do think putting in that performance and getting back to more like the old Leeds way. Listen, this, we're not perfect. There's still a long way to go. As we've alluded to, there's players to come back who will improve us. I think there's players to find form. I think Calvin's still finding his way back in. Um, well, he's not been poor by any stretch. I think he's still finding his way back in after what was obviously a hectic summer and not being fully fit. I still don't particularly think he's fully fit at the minute. I think we'll be fine again. Like I've said from day one, I've got no issues and no worries about the dreaded R word. But yeah, the, the the longer it goes without the results and without the performances, then people will get edgy and people will get nervy. It's just human nature and it, it's how football works. But I think the performance for me on at the weekend was just as big as the point because we got back and we got back to doing what we're good at and what's been successful for us. And with stats on on that, that I've sort of not been. I've been worried in a sense that it's Leeds United and something bad always happens. But uh, it's more when you look at some of the teams around us. Uh, you, like you look, Norwich aren't better than us. Newcastle aren't better than us. Burnley aren't better than us. Probably another one or two teams that you probably say that were better than. Hmm. And then you'd think by law, as long as like stats says, if we get us key players back, we're we're missing in well now England international striker whether. He, keeps his place or not that's another, <laughs> a question for another day but um, like Bamford's the, he's, I think he's as big a miss as anyone um, and it's sort of been not coated over but um, obviously no one's really discussed the fact that we've literally missed our main focal point because Rafinha's been scoring every week and we've got we've got Phillips back but like no pundits have really rarely touched on the fact that Bamford's been missing and I think like yesterday we were probably Bamford away from drubbing them like 3 or 4-1 but yeah, once once he's back, I just think that we'll we'll just kick on and fly. And like stats say, you, you've got to relish playing these big games in December. Everyone was shitting themselves about um, our running. Were it end of March to end of April last year? Yeah. And um, yeah. did we even? I don't even think we lost a game, did we? To any of them? No. So, no. so yeah, why why would you fear him? I know we got drugged by Man U at their place, but again, we're still playing cock at centre defensive midfield, so still want technically a fully fit fully um, fit team so like I said you're playing in this league for a reason 
just got nothing to fear. Quickly going back to the Bamford point, I think we touched on it earlier. He's another player who will bring the best out of your Harrisons, your Dan James, even more out of Raf as a link-up player. I think it will allow Rodrigo to do what he's good at. I've watched him. I don't think he's a number nine. I don't think he's a target man. I don't think that's what he's there to do. Uh, when he drops deeper, he's looked much more effective. So again, getting it's not just getting Patrick back, but I think, again, he, he will improve players around him and that can only be a good thing. Well, as always, we um, put it out to fans straight after the full-time whistle. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us on the podcast uh, by reaching out on all the socials at RITGK. Um, as good Tony says, wow, what a performance. More like this and we'll be good. Great to see Adam Forshaw get almost 90 minutes. Rafinha did what Rafinha does. Over the moon, only drawback was not getting all three points. CJ Slater says we were brilliant, but on the same note, somehow lucky not to lose the game. Gutted there's an international break because I think momentum would get us a win against Spurs. Four short was majestic. Alex says it felt like it all clicked today. Um, there was something missing each game previously. Shame we couldn't get the three points in the end, but you'd take a draw against a strong Leicester side. And Duncan Mellor says next step is someone who can shoot apart from Raf. Any thoughts about those comments? I think CJ saying that we were lucky not to lose the game is maybe a little bit on the negative side. I think that's a bit harsh. OK, Leicester had a goal disallowed, Riley disallowed for offside. I mean, that's what it's there for, is, is VAR. Uh, Liz got a penalty uh, at the end as well, which on another day, VAR might have, might have stepped in. Uh, I, I think Leeds were more unlucky not to win the game. I thought they played very, very well. They, they went from the off from Leicester City. I didn't think too much to Leicester. I thought they shackled Jamie Vardy very well. I've had a very quiet game. And I kind of disagree with that one. I, I think Leeds probably were unlucky not to win the game rather than, than lose it. And yeah, for that. other than that, I, I agree with most of the comments. But yeah, certainly not lucky to unlucky not to lose. I mean, that's a very, very harsh and a bit negative in my perspective. Yeah, I think the unlucky not, I think he's obviously going off the disallowed goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, performance-wise, uh, yeah, I don't think you can argue that if anyone deserved to get the three points, then we would have been staking that claim. But I suppose VAR did its job. That's what it's there for. And that the, it was the right outcome. But yeah, I think... We more than match, certainly more than match the team that have done well over recent time. So, yeah, I, I think we were unlucky not to win if we were unlucky not to do anything. I think the only worrying point that, we, I think we sort of touched on it, but haven't discussed it, is the fact that it's um, two games in a row now that we've conceded effectively straight from kickoff, um, which is major, sort of, especially after scoring. There's obviously some, part, some form of concentration or something, I don't know what's happened, but I think the, I think for, for the Leicester goal it was like three kicks at football and um, for the Norwich one I think it was only like two or three on it they literally lumped it forward and Mesley put it out for a corner and scored um, but I think that's the only worrying point is that we're sort of still having that tendency to sort of maybe switch off just a little bit and um, I think it just sort of shows in the Premier League that you have got to be sort of, you've got to be switched on aren't you for ninety minutes because regardless of who you're playing against you are playing against so you've top level footballers so. I think that's the only point. I wouldn't say we were unlucky to to take a point. We were absolutely battered in my thought. Yeah, I think it's a similar one with Melia while we're talking about it. That he just he did have a few dodgy moments yesterday. I think he has had a few over the past couple of games, but that's bound to happen, isn't it? And actually, the good thing is that he then just kind of forgets about that, and the next second he's making a good block because someone's through from Cooper's missed pass or whatever it is. He still manages to keep his cool. So it's really good to see that a keeper so young is still managing to kind of put those kind of performances in. And if it wasn't for him across 
you know, the games this season probably would have lost quite a few more. So a good learning curve for him. That's a wrap on part one. Coming up, we're going to be reviewing the season so far and see if anyone's going to be brave enough to give uh, Leeds United an A+. Plus. Not, not so sure. Uh, and we'll be asking Simon a little bit more about his time at Leeds United. See you on the other side. Hi guys, Michael Bridges here. When I'm lying in Australia on a nice sandy beach watching the sharks and the jellyfish come ashore, I like nothing better than reading and listening to writingthegarrykellys.com. So we've introduced a chance for you guys to support us this season by becoming a Writing the Gary Kelly's patron member. For as little as £2 a month, you can help support the work we do and make sure that we can continue to bring you our podcast series and our in-depth online articles about the football club that we all love. That's good, Vic. Two quid. You can't even buy a decent cup of coffee for that these days. Come to think of it, did you see Birmingham City Football Club? They're selling chips and a cheese slice for four quid. Absolutely criminal. For £3 a month, you can also get early access to this podcast before it goes on general release and come and join us for a monthly Q&A and talk all things Leeds, plus much, much more. Not forgetting, for £5 a month, you can get to join us for a Q&A, early access to episodes, a live recording of each podcast, and you'll also get the chance to join us on the show as one of our loyal members. I tell you what, that's not bad at all, is it? And the best thing about us setting up as a membership is that we'll be delivering you an ad-free podcast. And you don't hear that very often these days. It's our unique selling point. So becoming one of those patron members helps fund what we do. It helps continue to deliver this podcast. And you never know, we could even share some cheesy chips together before the end of the season. I guess you've summed it up perfectly. We go ad-free so we don't spoil your listening experience with legal advice and ball trimmers. Sounds like a good deal to me. Head over to patreon.com forward slash R-I-T-G-K to become a member today. Hi, I'm Johnny Allison. I'm a big fan of the Ryan and Gary Kelly's podcast. Welcome back to part two. Um, it's an international break coming up again, another one. Um, but with 11 games gone, we thought it was a good time to assess the season so far for Leeds United. So taking you guys back to school, I'm going to ask you for your key moments and players and to give the season so far the grade. So a star, if you really want to, all the way down to a fail, but hopefully no fails. <laughs> Matt, you can go first. Uh, I'll probably say a C on the basis that we sort of just just about sort of scraped by, I think, uh, quite a dodgy sort of period for us where everyone starts to panic a little bit, but there's a hell of a lot of room for improvement. You're probably, probably up it to a B after yesterday, maybe, if, uh, if they do that for another two or three games, but I think obviously like the shining lights is obviously Rafinha, and I think um, I think I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I think Coop, like Liam Cooper, deserves quite a lot of well, a few pats on the back because I think he takes a lot of stick. But if you look at the sort of from a statistic point of view, and well, even from playing, I've said him a couple of times he's been our best defender this year. Um, but I just feel like people get on his back just to the fact that he's been with us for so long, really. But yeah, I think he's had like he's like least dribble pass defender outside the top six or something yeah. after sort, which is like. From from viewing, you wouldn't actually think it because quite a lot of people say like it gets beat too easy, but it's like incredible, and I think he deserves like a load of credit this year. I, I think looking at it as a whole, I'm probably going to go B minus. I think if you actually look at the teams that have beaten us, okay, Man United, we we, we probably should have shut up shop after the after we equalised through Luke Ayling. Liverpool are unbelievable at the moment. Obviously, they went to Old Trafford and won five nil. West the West Ham game that we lost. If if Clicky's shot goes in, I think he's going to win that game. 
Uh, and obviously, the Southampton performance is probably the poorest performance of the season. But I think they're improving. I think if you look at the last three games as a whole, I thought second half against Watford, against Wolves, they were brilliant. Joe Gallard obviously came on and, and changed the game. Got a very important victory against Norwich City uh, two games ago. And obviously, yesterday, the points are improving. So... I think there's a lot of things to take into consideration with a lot of injuries and suspensions. He's not known the same starting 11 for any game this season, which just shows how much he's be able to start to chop and change. So, yeah, encouraging signs. I think, had you asked me this after Southampton, it probably would have been a C minus. But, yeah, it's gone up to a B minus for me and, and pr- improving. And I think come the second half of the season, I think once you get all the players back, uh, I think hopefully we can get up to an A or being well. I'm not sitting on the fence because I already had this grade in my head before you'd asked anybody else, I promise. But I was I was going with a C because I think we've passed. into If it was an exam, we've just about scraped past with, with a pass mark. Um, I think there's been, like I say, there's been a lot of differing circumstances as to why we've done so well, even though we are still only 15th in the league. I think the amount of injuries we've had to deal with, the amount of chopping and changing, one not naming, like you say, not being able to name the same team, changing important positions at like the centre midfield, the two centre backs have not been able to build partnerships, and I think we're starting to see that now. And like I said, I, I said at the start of the season, it might sound negative, but if survival was a pass for us this year, like I said, I, I didn't think we were going to get relegated, but there always is that thing in your second season. You look at Sheffield United of recent years. I think staying up two years in a row then allows you to build and uh, progress and improve. So I, I do think that staying up would have been a pass. I think we'll do better than just staying up. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I, my aim at the start of the season, when I did an interview before the season had even kicked off, was survival. And people will see that as a negative, but it, it's really not. It's, it gives us a chance. We, we've had two years, then you become an established Premier League club and then you start building and and before you know it, you do what Leicester do and win the league. So it's all good. But um, I'm glad we've brought up Coops because for me, apart from Raf, who's obviously out there on a pedestal at the minute, for me, he's been our, our most consistent player. It's easy and every team has that player. Uh, maybe I'm slightly biased, but when people make a mistake, it's easy to dig them out and have a go. But when people do things right or don't do things wrong, it doesn't get mentioned as much in recent weeks. I think he's, he's been a leader that I know he is, that we know he is in his performances. Alongside Lorente next to him when they play as a two, I think they're better as a two. I, I think it's a solid foundation. And if you're asking me to pick my first choice centre-back pairing, then it would be them two. So I think Coops has done, there's a lot of stuff that goes off the pitch in terms of captaincy and with everything going on and obviously not picking up those wins, a captain's role takes on even more importance of keeping the lads right and keeping spirits high. And for me, he, he's, he's done a, a sterling job of it so far this season. And look, listen, everyone will make mistakes. We, we just spoke about a young goalkeeper who makes a few, but he, he's got the mentality and the, the self-belief um, and the quality as well, because I think he's going to be a top, top goalkeeper. But Look, listen, I, I think Coop's in fire of what he's done for our club. Sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves and I, I'm glad someone else has brought it up because I think, again, apart from his one mistake, but as a centre-half, your, your, your mistakes are um, more highlighted than others. I, I think he was superb again. The games before, he's done a real good job and for me, he would be top of the class just um, just behind the raft. <laughs> 
just to add to that, Simon, uh, uh, Coops is actually captain the side for 184 games, which is absolutely magnificent. Mm. The, he's yeah. been here, there and everywhere, seen all the lows of this side and is a real mainstay of the side. And uh, I think what he's done at this football club, as you rightly say, not just on the pitch, but on the pitch as well, is absolutely fantastic. And uh, I think he's 47th in our all-time list of appearance makers. With, with him and Stewie Dallas uh, have nearly got 500 appearances between them at Allen Road, which is a credit to themselves as, as, as people as well as as footballers. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he was one of the um, <laughs> he was one of the good things the old crazy Italian did right. I think he signed him on a win after a preseason friendly. He did. So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> he did. He did. We'll give him a, at least he got one decision right, right yes. there in those crazy times. So yeah, but yeah, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. And, Obviously, knowing him as well, he, he, he's very proud to represent um, our club as he has done. I think that always um, is always a thing that you look at. I know fans have their opinion, but he's been and stats will have probably have the actual number. But he's like been club captain under oh, more than a handful of managers now, aren't he? Yeah, like, probably went through about five under Chilino, but. Uh, <laughs> he's been, it's well been one season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's been club captain for best part of what feels like five or six years, I think. Probably off yeah. the top of my head, I'm a bit, a bit crap with years, so stats correct me if I'm wrong, but I always think that's like a sort of, um, that sort of always gives away how good he's, he's rated amongst one, his, his peers and um, two managers that keep coming in and keep picking him and picking him as a club captain. Yeah, yeah. every manager that he's played for, uh, I think apart from Hockaday and Milanic, had him as captain. I read for managing captain. Steve mm. Evans, Uwe Rosler had him as captain. Gary Monk, vice captain, and Thomas Christensen gave him the club captaincy, and he's had it ever since. So, yeah, he's, he's an outstanding servant for the club, and uh, I, I'm hoping we'll get to 200 games as captain, which will put him uh, even above Gary McAllister, who's on 193 games as captain. So, that that is some achievement for for a player that has been there, seen it all at Leeds United. He's he's now come out the other side uh, on the right side of it all. Yeah, I think it takes a strong. I mean, you know, it it takes a strong person to captain our club. I think we yeah. can all admit to that with everything and the expectation. So, yeah, he's been he's been a credit. And as you alluded to, Mr. Bielsa doesn't strike me as a man of sentiment. So he he's kept him and made him as his mainstay for for a very good reason. Yeah, and it's really easy to forget all that that Cooper's been through with the club, isn't it? Because I think once you get to the Premier League, you're kind of comparing all of these you know, multi-million pound players that are at the other clubs, these huge high-profile players. And, you know, we've got little League One Liam, as people call him. And actually, he's been through so much with the club that there's so much trust there across the squad. I think that's such a huge factor. You know, it would have been easy to give someone like Calvin the captaincy, just for the kind of glory aspect of it. But the fact that Cooper has been the choice for so many um, managers is, is quite clearly that vote of confidence from the whole squad, not just from the manager. So while we've got you here, Simon, it'd be rude not to ask you a little bit more about your time at Leeds United and your career in general. Um, obviously, you were on the show a few weeks back and you gave some really great insight into your time at the club uh, and your hatred of Ken Bates, rightly <laughs> so. <laughs> um, one thing that we didn't ask you was, who's the best player that you've played with during your time at Leeds United and through the rest of your career as well? Oh, it has to be the chief. I mean, I think 
uh, on my home debut, I always tell this story, and it's one of the proudest things. On my home debut, Lucas was the sub who came on for me. So I had to go off to be replaced by your hero. You grow up watching and had five Rudibi on the back of back of your shirt. That was a that was a hell of a moment. But I, I, I've said previously, I, he will always be. He was an idol growing up, and, and he was a hero growing up. And they always say, don't meet your heroes, but. I was I was fortunate to to meet mine and play with mine and share training pitches and hotels with him and just being in the, the man's presence was was frightening. But not only that, people go on about that, but he was a hell of a player. I mean, it's it's no secret. Man United Sir Alex Ferguson was a a huge admirer of his and tried to prime away on a few occasions. So I think for everything he did and everything he was. For me, he was he was the best, and I know how high he's held in regard by by all the fans and everybody. And he's um yeah he was one of a kind. I think you actually came on for him uh, against Wolves when he I think he broke his cruise shirt um, yeah. early in the season, and obviously he was out for for eight months. And I think you came on uh, uh, in midfield for him. And I think actually you actually had a very good game and you nullified what Wolves had up front. But yeah, uh, hero, complete legend, uh, what he did at Leeds, Lucas Radebe. 200 off league games, fantastic. And obviously, he, he came on the last game of the season against Rotherham, I think, that season for his last ever appearance for the club. And uh, again, a player that came with very little expectation, I think, from Kaiser Chiefs in in 94. Amazingly, the lesser of the two South Africans, uh, Phil Masinga, obviously came from Amalodi Sundowns, obviously no longer with us, sadly. Uh, and now not much heard as Radderby, and then all of a sudden, I think George Graham came in at Leeds and transformed into the player that we all loved him at the club at that time. Yeah, I think if I, I mean, I may be making this up, but I'm pretty sure that he signed as a midfield player. I think he did. He, did. he was, yeah, yeah he was a midfield player, and then obviously, as we know him as a, a top class centre half and occasional goalkeeper. Yes. <laughs> I think I remember I was at a game, it was a night game at Old Trafford. It we was. Night away. He came on quite early, I think, and we only lost 1 0. He was brilliant. <laughs> we did. Mark, Mark Beanie got sent off for a very marginal uh, handball outside the area, and uh, he, he yeah. kept everything out of the Chief from Cantona. And I think Roy mm-hmm. Keane scored very late on in the game. That was a famous season when uh, Kevin Keegan went ballistic on, uh, on Sky Sports. But yeah. yeah, fantastic servant for the club. and uh and unbelievable loyal because he could he, i'm sure he'd have had interest from other clubs as well as you rightly say there and loyal to the cause to, to even go through relegation as well and one thing i did want to ask you simon is obviously you made your debut against derby in the 045 season what was the yeah. fitting round at the club that just been relegated and we, we had 29 debutants that season like so brian dean came back steve guppy clark carlal obviously yourself what was the feel like? What was the expectation like that season to uh, when you were making your debut? I don't think anybody had a clue, to be brutally honest. <laughs> <what happened. laughs> I mean, I was 16, and I think I was the third longest-serving player, yeah. longest-serving player on the opening day. But, but listen, I was—I mean, I—I I, I was a die-hard fan, still am. So I, I knew the ins and outs of a Nats house about Leeds United, and I'd watched all the games. So I witnessed that season firsthand, and. Again, the brutal honesty is our aim was to survive because yeah. the cl- not just in the league but the club as well. I know that may sound drastic, but trust me, it was that close. So I think we we were just our mission was to survive by hook or by crook, and you can tell with some of the signings and even myself playing a sixteen-year-old boy who'd never 
being near the first team, it just pretty much summed up the situation that we found ourselves in as a club. And I think at one point we all got excited and thought we had a chance, outside chance of getting the playoffs. But yeah, I think just that season was literally survival mode of the highest order in in every aspect. But as a young kid playing for his boy club, I, it didn't make no difference to me whatsoever. I was just living living the dream, enjoying every day. So yeah, I think I think that season although we'll probably go down as one of the comedy seasons for most fans in terms of the amount of players and shenanigans that were going on for, for, for the players. It was it was tough, I'm so sure. I, it, was, it wasn't I, tough for me because I was a 16-year-old boy running around, getting paid running around to play for his boy on club. But looking back with an older head on now, I can imagine it was very tough for some of those older, more experienced boys. And I'm guessing you were going into training every day, a new face was turning up, like some Mickey Gray. Uh, Rob Holtz, Sean Gregan, Sean Derry. The the turnover of players then must have been ridiculous for for some of those playing in the first team squad. Oh it, yeah, I mean I've never. I mean I've seen a lot in football since then. Let me tell you, but that pre-season was one of the strangest, if not the strangest pre-season I've ever seen. There was players turning up. I mean Blackie and Sam weren't shy. There was players turning up on trial who, after half an hour, were getting sent in, going, "No, thank you, not for us." It was. <laughs> As, as yeah, it was it was eye opening. Like I said, there was probably a debut every game in that season. I mean, yeah. that, that, I think that's probably not the case, but it felt like there was a new player or a new face every game that season, and then something would go wrong. Like we signed Nathan Blake. I remember Nathan coming in; he was brilliant for us. I think he scored at Coventry and then ruptured his hamstring off the bone. And that a week later, it was just stuff like that. We never got going. And it was it was one hell of a season. I mean, I'm sure if people wrote a book about it, it, it would take up a whole book. It's not just a chapter. That season was was crazy in terms of everything that was going on. And then obviously the takeover from my favourite person in the world. <laughs> it, it was um, yeah, it was a mad season. But boy, did I not enjoy it. That, that was that was the the pinnacle of my footballing career. Without a shadow of a doubt, it, it doesn't get much better than that. And of course, you actually go down in history for scoring one of the quickest ever goals uh, for Leeds United. Your, your, your goal against Reading, uh, and I think a cold Tuesday night. What do you remember of that one? Yeah, it was a classic, wasn't it? It rolled down my ear, off my shoulder, <laughs> and into the bottom corner. <laughs> yeah, it was. I remember it was. If you watch the goal back, it was probably one of the scruffiest goals I've ever seen. Kells has just smashed it down the line. Um, Brett Armourad, I think it was, has gone to have a touch. It's come off his shin hit one of their players, then it's a poor cross that's took a deflection and looped up. And even my header, I'm not going to lie, it didn't even hit my head. I think it hit my ear, rolled off my shoulder and then into the bottom corner. But watching the video back, if I could still run that quick now, then I think I'd still be playing at a half-decent level because I looked quick when I was celebrating. I didn't know what I was doing. Unfortunately for me, the, our fans and my old man were right down the other end of the yeah. pitch. So I think Killer and Butts stopped me getting too excited and going right down the other end. But yeah, again, I think Reading, they were flying. I think that was the season that they won They won it with the record points at that time. So yeah, we, we did well against them that season. We didn't hold on, obviously we drew, but I think just scoring that goal, like I said, I, I'll never forget it. I, I could tell you exactly the build-up and what happened. But yeah, it wasn't, it won't go on the highlights reel in terms of quality of my goals, but it's certainly my, my favourite, most favourite goal ever. Um, Lauren says, have you any regrets leaving and not coming back to Leeds? Um, I, I've, I've answered this millions of times. I can't. Re- I regret 
having to leave, but I can't regret leaving because I didn't really have a choice, to be honest. I didn't choose to leave Leeds and think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't really have a choice. Obviously, I regret the fact that it had to happen, but I can't regret the decision because it wasn't really a decision. I mean, in terms of regret not coming back, I mean, I'm a free agent. So if anyone wants, if any, if if injuries get that bad, then I'll happily come back. But um, yeah, the the opportunity for me to come back arose once very briefly, but it never um, it never came to fruition. But uh, listen, I, I regret that I only had two and a bit seasons in the first team there, but I regret the situation surrounding it obviously a lot more. But that was not of my doing, and I certainly didn't manoeuvre any move away. I certainly didn't want to move away, so it was just one of those things that unfortunately happens in football, and yeah, I bear the brunt of it. But um, yeah, I regret I ended without a shadow of a doubt. What's it actually like leaving leaving a football club? Like, is it like a really weird sort of chain of events? Like, do you just sort of get told you're leaving, and then sort of that's it, and you sort of pack up your stuff and go? Is it like a it's always one thing that you never never sort of hear like non-romantic side of it, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I had plenty of opportunities and I left plenty of clubs, so I'm probably the best person to ask. But um, yeah, I think, listen, initially um, when I left Leeds, I left Leeds with probably not sadness. I think, again, this is no secret. I left with a lot of hatred, a lot of bitterness um, as a young man and... I didn't go to any Leeds games in terms of a fan for probably two or three years after that, which people who know me will know that's certainly not the case now because I get to a fair few, but I, I just didn't. I had no interest. I mean, I played against Leeds twice, I think, the following season, and we won both times. I mean, I got sent off for diving in one of them, of all things, but um, I just, yeah, it was that was horrible. It really was, and you know it's bad when... I have a, a bitterness towards Leeds United, but it wasn't towards Leeds United, it was towards the people running it. But yeah, I think as you as you get more experienced, I think I, I left most clubs um, for valid reasons um, in terms of there was never any major fallouts, etc. I left because either it was a change of manager and unfortunately, again, it's one of those things that you become accustomed to. I, I was never... I always gave my all for every club I played for without a shadow of a doubt, but you don't grow attached as much probably because you know that just around the corner you you could be on your way um, anywhere else. I mean, I went from Plymouth to Hartlepool, so it is literally you could leave one day and go the opposite end of the country the next. (laughs) You just kind of get accustomed to it. But I mean, the amount of times you see it, it's, Lads come in, you don't even know they're leaving. It'd be like, right, I'm off, shake everyone's hands, take your bin bag with your boots and your shin pads and last little bits of kit and and that's it. Leave the WhatsApp group as it would be nowadays and <laughs> and that's it. So it, it it I found it tough initially because I mean I left obviously the club that I love, which would never be easy for anybody. I felt a bit sad at the fact of leaving Charlton because I didn't get an opportunity and again that was just down to change of manager etc but after that I, I left pretty much every other club on my on my own terms so it, it just became it just became the norm and part of football and it's it, you see it go on in dressing rooms I mean it's a bit different now because obviously you only get two windows to leave but 
yeah, it, it just becomes a norm and it is literally a case of walking in, packing your boots in a bag, saying goodbye to everybody, shaking hands and away you go. Um, it's tough, again, that, that obviously everything that comes with it, with packing up houses and moving house. And I had a, a young family from a pretty young age, so it it was tough at times, probably more tough on, on them, obviously, as it was on me. But it's part of the job. It's part of the job description. You know what you're getting yourself into. But, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it, it's part and parcel of football, especially now. I don't think there's many players that are going to stay at one club for their whole career. Tony asks, uh, who is the best manager that you've played under? My favourite manager um, and coach that I ever worked for was my youth team coach, Warren Joyce. I'm surprised, not surprised because he's doing superb in his, what he does, but I always was of the uh, belief that he would be a, a superb manager um, at a top level. The way he was with players, um, the standards that he set, the demands he put on me because, again, I'm not, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but obviously I was a very good young player, so I was never allowed to get too excited, to get carried away. But at the same time, he didn't just batter you down and batter you down like certain other managers. He, he was very good at encouraging and he was very good at advising. He was he was a coach. He was a, he was a developer of players and he was very good and he was very good for me and my game and um i've come across him many a times and many uh opportunities since i mean he went to work for the enemy and he's very highly thought of by the class of 92 hence why they got him in as their director of football at salford and why he was around man united for so long but i i still say it now and out of all the managers i've played it played under and some some are doing very well in the game Warren will always be my my number one for what he did for me and for for how good he was and he, he still is I mean I think he's out in Australia working for Man City's partner club or whatever they're called nowadays out there so he's very highly thought of in the game and he's the one that I will always say is my favourite manager stroke coach that I played under Is there a lot of coaches that are like that sort of not fall by the wayside but sort of suit more either youth team football or under 23s football or just sort of as an actual coach rather than a manager because I know we all joke about it but quite a lot of people said that Hockaday was actually quite a quite a good coach um mm. at least he just was a terrible manager like is there a, is have you come across plenty of those in your time without a doubt um good coaches don't necessarily make good managers you've got to be a a certain type to be a, to be a manager, and I've I've worked with lots of top top coaches. I had AD, I was fortunate to have Aidy Boothroyd and John Carver at, at Leeds as a young boy. They're two of the they were two of the highest thought of coaches in the game. Obviously, both have gone on to have managerial stints, but they've they've done very well and had very good careers. Um, Aidy obviously went on to be a manager, and unfortunately, we <laughs> was did an half decent job for for another team who we um, came unstuck against. But I, I do think, and good coach, you can be a good coach, doesn't necessarily make you a good manager. And also good managers aren't necessarily good coaches. That's that's why managers have coaches, especially nowadays, they have the amount of coaches different clubs and teams have. I mean, I, I work at a, a top, top class academy, uh, Premier League academy, and the amount of different coaches and, different aspects of the game that their roles involve 
are phenomenal. It's not just picking a team and giving a halftime team talk. I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to have a, a little stint as a caretaker manager uh, of a National League team. And let me tell you, it's a, it's a lot harder and a lot more goes into it um, rather than picking a team and delivering a halftime team talk. <laughs> Lastly, uh, Steve Greenwood asks, honest thoughts on Stevenage Town Centre. Stevenage Town. I didn't live in Stevenage. I lived in a lovely little place just outside called Biggles Way because it took me an hour and a half to get back to Leeds, an hour and a half to get round to where my daughter lives in Surrey. So I picked it basically because it was smack bang in the middle of the A1. Stevenage was a lovely club, lovely little town, um, but unfortunately, well, fortunately, I think uh, hearing rumours and stories that I didn't have to frequent Stevenage Town Centre very often. Well, that does take me on to the final, final question for you is that obviously you touched on it before about your co-commentary for the Southampton game. You're a natural, yeah. obviously. Is that side of things something that you're looking at doing more of or was it just you know an opportunity that was there at the time? I mean, I thought it was not. I got a hell of a lot of dogs abuse for my commentary. Not necessarily what I said, but obviously, I mean, anyone who knows me and people will know that I am... Leeds is in my blood. I, I want the club to do well, but I understand now, and having done it for that game where we were poor, there's no getting away from it. That yeah, people will always disagree with what you say. I, I've always been honest. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I, I mean, it was an unbelievable opportunity. I've worked with good people there. I've been fortunate to do it before, but yeah. I, I, on that side of it, I see it. And yeah, I received many a message on, I mean, I don't have much social media, but on Instagram, I received quite a little bit of, um, yeah, not abuse, because it didn't bother me. But you know what I mean? People um, seem to think that I didn't know what I was talking about in terms of what stuff that I was saying, which has since been proved right, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I enjoy it. Uh, um, I, I'd like to think I've got quite a good knowledge of the game, so I'll always give my honest opinions and I'll always say what I see. I was just unfortunate to have been given one of the poorest performances I've seen a Leeds put in for a long time. So um, whether it's for me long term or not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm concentrating on my coaching and recruitment side of the game at the minute. I'm not going to be the next, uh, um, who can I say, not Gary Neville, because that don't work either. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> you won't be seeing me sat next to Roy Keane anytime soon, put it that way. But um, no, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I enjoy anything to do with Leeds. Anything that I get asked to do, I, I take it as a, a privilege and an honour that being invited by yourselves and still being remembered by Leeds fans and Leeds people it, it brings a smile to my face and makes me happy so yeah I, I appreciate everything and that said I've been asked to do an upcoming game so hopefully I can be very positive and can give plenty of praise and compliments after a resounding win which will be nice. Fingers crossed for you on that one. <laughs> we get a world exclusive what, what game are you covering? The next one bear man I live in Surrey it's very close to my house. <laughs> Not too far away from our house is a, um, a game that's coming up in the very near future. I'm sure we can all uh, put our geography to the test. Yeah, I thought I'd leave a bit of mystery for making it a little bit extra. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 
wrap up with a game of Guess Who. Now, if you're new to the game show and you don't know what it is, then where have you been? But secondly, it is dead simple. I'm going to give you guys three clues and you just need to guess who the either ex or current League United player is. It's as easy as that. So if you think you know a person after any of the clues, just shout out your name and you can have a guess. Everyone ready? Ready. Ready, please. All right. Clue number one, and it starts off quite big, so don't be scared that you don't know it straight off. Um, so this English player made 25 appearances for Leeds during the White and Mackay era. Matt's like, no idea. <laughs> not me, I played more than... <laughs> you played 38, so I'm not top player. I mean, you knew that more than I did, because I... <laughs> did you even know that? I'll do my research. Oh. No using your phones. Mm. 25, what, right, Mackay, that was 2003, 4, 2005. Uh, no, I'll, I'll refrain on this occasion. Right, clue number two. Despite being a striker, this player never scored a single league goal for the club. Simon. Go on. Who are you going for? I'm going for Michael Ricketts. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. <laughs> Great shot. He makes 25 appearances. Wow. 25 first team appearances, yeah. You didn't let me go on to clue number three. You were too good. I mean, it's a bit mean, but this is what it says on his Wikipedia page. So obviously he went out on loan a few times and eventually left us for South End, who released him after two months because he was overweight. <laughs> Oh, how much is that? <coughs> he, he scored, what, two goals, Swindon in the League Cup. Yeah. Uh, and Alder in the League Cup. Yeah. yeah. He actually made... I, I remember getting him, he got loads of stick. There was, he was getting some stick and he scored, like, without being disrespectful, in a, in a League Cup with not many people there, not really yeah. much interest. And he yeah. did the old Yorkshire cut the ears and everyone was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you made your debut with him, didn't you, in that derby game? You had Ricketts and Julian Joachim up front and... Yeah. Well, yeah, Lee said about yeah. that, the better, I think. That's what I mean, it just goes back. I mean, imagine that. I, yeah, I made my debut for Leeds and uh, front line of Michael Ricketts and Julian Droucher. Unbelievable. Going back to White and Mackay, I bet not many Leeds players, I bet, I don't know if it's still in the trophy cabinet, but we actually won the White and Mackay Cup one year, so I've still got my medal <laughs> somewhere. Away at Hibernian and Fraser. Away at Hibernian. And yeah. I think Ricketts actually got two goals that day, ironically. <laughs> Is that our yeah, I think so. I mean, it was an eventful weekend, let's put it that way up there. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, we came away with a trophy. Always nice. So that's us for another week. It's been great to be back. Thank you so much for joining me. And a big thanks to my guests, Matt, Stats, and of course, Simon. We've got an international break before we head down to the Big Smoke for Spurs. And we'll speak to you then.
Sports Social Podcast Network.